everybody needs to be super vigilant. This is very early in the season. Tonight on Global News Hour, the increased fire risk on the south coast as more record temperatures hit the region. Plus, it doesn't make sense to exclude students from representing their schools. Balancing Act controversy over the decision to eliminate gymnastics from high school sports programs and then Mother's Day has many, many wonderful opportunities and occasions for me and this was one of the best. The beautiful ballet on the water at Victoria's Inner Harbor. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. There's been a second coyote attack in Metro Vancouver in less than a week. The latest one in Burnaby. The attack happened this morning at Deer Lake Park. The Conservation Officer Service says a six-year-old girl was attacked at the Burnaby Blooms Festival. The coyote bit the girl and stayed around until her parents chased it away. The child was taken to hospital to be treated for minor injuries. Conservation officers patrolled the area but did not spot the animal. This is the second time a coyote has targeted a child in less than a week. On Wednesday evening, a coyote attacked a two-year-old in Lyons Park in Port Coquitlam, leaving the child with minor injuries. Conservation officers are reminding everyone not to feed any wildlife. Now to the growing wildfire risk across BC. Three days into a heat wave and just last night, at least two fires broke out on the south coast, one in Belcara, the other in Squamish. As Krista Dow reports, both fires prompting a quick response due to the early arrival of extreme conditions. It is rare to see this on BC's west coast so early in the season. Helicopters bucketing water and firefighters on attack working to put out the flames. This wildfire near Belcara sparked Saturday night. And the wind was blowing up the mountain, not down. So uh, our concern was it was going to spread up. Sassamat Fire Department says the wildfire, while small in size, was a challenge for crews because of the steep and rough terrain. It's believed it was sparked from a private power pole. Two properties were nearby, but crews managed to keep the fire contained, but say it could have been much worse. Very close of a call because had the fire progressed, past the point of where it was and got into the uphill side, um, it could have spread very rapidly. And as it's burning, uh, burning up, debris is falling down, so it's causing fire at the bottom of the hill as well, too. It's one of at least two sparked along the south coast Saturday amid the weekend heat wave. The Shovel Nose Creek fire located west of Squamish and Pemberton remains out of control, estimated to be about 17 hectares in size. About 16 firefighters are being assisted by two helicopters. Again, the landscape making things worse. That fire is burning an extremely steep and rugged terrain, so that may present some challenges, but we are actioning the fire in all of the areas. BC Wildfire Service, though, say right now the fire poses no threat to any structures or homes. Meantime, officials are reminding people to remain vigilant about open fires. Especially during this time when we're having the, these very warm and dry conditions, is that regardless of the fact if there are prohibitions or not prohibitions, we want people to use extreme care when using open fire. And Krista joins us now in studio. What are wildfire officials anticipating with the season still ahead of us? 
Well, Julie, BC Wildfire Service is bracing for a busy fire season ahead. Fire officials say with climate change, we're looking at more drier conditions and more wildfires raging through, and many of them closer to structures and homes. Already, as I mentioned, we're seeing wildfires spark very early in the season. We're only in the spring, so officials are definitely concerned for what lies ahead. What they aren't concerned about, though, are the skills and determination of their firefighters. Early, and this week, a group of BC wildland firefighters from across the province took part in a four-day summit. The Wildfire Resiliency Course teaches firefighters about wildland firefighting and techniques on defending structures. We're here today to learn about different wildfire suppression tactics, one of them being building a handguard, which helps us to remove the fuel from the fire um, that will eventually help us to suppress the fire. Um, many of the jurisdictions that we're working with today, they come from a structural background and maybe don't have the wildland experience. Um, so this is a really great opportunity for them to come in, learn a bit of the t um, terminology, learn a bit of the tactics that we use in, in wildfire suppression, um, so that when they do come out onto the line, they know how they're able to help us out. A lot of the forests in the province are in a distress mode when it comes to the dryness and the uh, way things are shaping up now that uh, it's all crystal ball glazing but at the end of the day certainly uh, there's potential for uh, a busy summer for all the fire service in the province. And Julie, the wildfire danger rating along the coast is considered moderate, but some spots sitting at a level high. The BC Wildfire Service also tells me of the 17 wildfires sparked in the coastal fire centre, all of them are believed to be human-caused. So again, they're really stressing the need to be vigilant this time of year. Julie. All right, good advice. Thanks, Krista. Now to the wildfire situation across the rest of the province. As of this afternoon, there are 57 fires burning across the province, 39 of them caused by people and 14 by lightning. There are four wildfires of note in the province, meaning they're highly visible or pose a potential threat to public safety. The Tear Creek fire near McBride is being held and isn't expected to grow. Farther north, the Boundary Lake fire is burning out of control at the Alberta-BC border. And near Fort St. John, the Red Creek and Stoddard Creek fires are burning out of control that forced an evacuation order for 130 properties Saturday evening. It started late afternoon yesterday. Uh, we had very aggressive fire behavior conditions at the time. Um, initially, uh, the, the response was with air tankers, initial attack crews. Crews worked well into the evening, redeploying from the nearby Red Creek fire. The B.C. Wildfire Service says bulldozers built fire guards in the dark, trying to shore up the fire's edges, starting at the southern end and working their way to the northeast. They say the situation is volatile and that the big concern is the wind is expected to shift and may start pushing the flames closer to homes. And people are being warned once again to stay away from fast-moving waterways. This is Mission Creek in Kelowna today. Creeks and rivers are running fast and high right now, and the warm weather is speeding up the freshet. Banks are also unstable right now, and getting too close and can be hazardous, rather. Walkers are reminded to keep their pets on leash and never follow a pet into a rushing stream. 
Well, these conditions due to more record-breaking temperatures today. And here's meteorologist Yvonne Shaw with more on that, Yvonne. Julie, incredible heat. I've just counted preliminary numbers. Over 30 temperature records falling for the day today. A sample of a few that we're seeing. Squamish getting up to 35.8, the old record back in 2018. Hope 34.9, that old record set back in 1973. West Van getting up to 31.7. Victoria and areas near Chilliwack, Abbotsford seeing that record-breaking heat. Old record in Chilliwack set back in 1973. Special weather statement will continue to be in effect throughout much of the province. The northeastern corners, we've got a smoky skies bulletin and a heat warning has been issued. This is along the north coast inland. Terrace and Kitimat included within that. Now temperatures along the north coast inland will continue to see that heat into the low 30s continuing in towards our Thursday. Now for the central and southern half of the province, interior regions will track that heat towards Wednesday and along the south coast likely in towards our Tuesday. It may May even be hotter for tomorrow. I'll have more on those numbers coming up very shortly. Julie. Thanks, Yvonne. Now to the wildfire danger in Alberta. A state of emergency continues as the fire risk remains extreme and more people are forced from their homes. There are 19 states of local emergency across Alberta. Three new evacuation orders have been added in the last 24 hours. More than 19,000 people have been evacuated from their homes. 24 fires are out of control and officials caution while firefighters have been able to make gains this weekend Things could get worse before they get better. Our crews have had the um, opportunity to work at building fire guards and containment lines around wildfires. And for the vast majority, those are holding. So they are in a good position to continue making progress. But we are expecting ch uh, challenging conditions to continue. Officials adding today that the wildfire danger in the south of the province is also climbing. There are more than 1,500 firefighters battling the flames across Alberta. And with those extreme conditions across much of the province, officials say it will continue to increase in the days ahead. The firefighting effort is happening around the clock, but one county is warning about the dangers when residents fight wildfires themselves. Nicole Stilger has more. Like in many areas across the province, the wildfire situation in the county of Grand Prairie is volatile. But the Reeves says crews have made gains on the hotspots. It's quiet right now, but it could turn on a dime on us. And Mother Nature has a huge role to play in this. The extreme heat is bad news for not only the fires, but for those battling them too, who have to worry about heat exhaustion. That's why help from the Canadian military and other firefighters has been welcome. There's a lot of resources that have come in from the rest of the province, and we are so grateful for that help. But the county warns to leave the firefighting to professionals, saying a member of the public who is operating their own bulldozer Friday put themselves and crews in danger by knocking trees into fire and nearly running over fire crews and their equipment. If you're not trained and you can get into a really bad situation, depending where it's at, so we don't want people hurt. As the county waits on knife's edge for what could happen next, the town of High Level is preparing to get up to 300 more evacuees from Garden River, that northern community under an evacuation order with residents prepared to leave quickly. We have people in our arena, people in our curling rink, people in the Friendship Centre, people out um, at the campsites. Uh, at the golf course and in the school now. High Level is currently housing residents from Fox Lake and Rainbow Lake too, where the wildfire danger remains extreme.
we've been lobbying our government for an evacuation centre, and this certainly was a year to prove that we needed it. And as the firefight continues, a call for patience, as crews do their best to manage the ever-evolving situation. It's been a very stressful time. Nicole Stilger, Global News. Lower mainland mayors are headed to Ottawa this week to plead for more money for big city transit. The trip is the beginning of a campaign by Metro Vancouver mayors for money to pay for major growth plans. TransLink plans to double local bus service over the next 10 years, particularly in the fast-growing areas south of the Fraser. In some areas, the agency says ridership has surpassed pre-pandemic levels. TransLink also plans to add 170 kilometres of rapid transit lines. Those plans cost big bucks, about $21 billion, and the mayors want Ottawa to speed up federal spending plans. There are too many parts of this region that don't have reliable and realistic transit options, and those parts of the region are actually the ones experiencing the most significant growth. And so we think it's really important that the federal government step up and provide support See some of the dollars that leave Metro Vancouver reinvested by the federal government into our region in the form of better transit options for people. The region expects to welcome 50,000 new residents per year over the next few years. And the mayor's point to increased immigration as a driving force behind the projects. Former Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart has broken his silence about debts, debts rather left over from his failed municipal election campaign. Two businesses came forward to tell Global News that Stewart and his Forward Together campaign did not pay bills related to their re-election bid last fall. One business has filed a civil claim alleging it was out tens of thousands of dollars. The claim has not been proven in court. Meanwhile, in a new email to supporters, Stewart says, while it is true we have a debt from the campaign, we have already fully paid most of the service providers to whom we owed small amounts and have payment plans in place to manage the remainder. A grim anniversary today. It's been two years since Surrey man Bernard Grempel disappeared. He was last seen at the 22nd Street SkyTrain station in New Westminster on May 14, 2021. Police believe he boarded a bus headed to the Scottsdale Exchange in Surrey, but cannot confirm where he got off. Grempel's family has offered a $30,000 reward for information leading to his whereabouts. And Surrey RCMP once again appealing to anyone who might know where he is to come forward. Well, coming up on Global News Hour, gymnastics set to disappear from high schools. Why a governing body for secondary sports is making the move despite outcry from students and coaches. And later, a recent forum in Penticton is tackling the issue of racism in communities and how to eliminate it. Stay with us. A group that oversees high school sports in B.C. voted this weekend to eliminate gymnastics from the list of sports being offered. Grace Key has more on the controversial decision, including the shock and outrage from student-athletes, coaches and their supporters. As with any high school sport, these athletes are learning so much more than how to do a proper flip. They're connecting with their school community, building confidence and a passion for athletics, and hopefully performing better in school. So they were devastated to learn gymnastics will no longer be a sanctioned sport in BC schools. The community is just very strong as it's less of judging people based on their appearance and more of just trying to lift each other up and help each other learn skills or 
gain confidence. Like everyone's like, yeah, just like included. And it's really like a fun community to just be in. And you can always like, even if you have no experience, you can always just like have fun. I just was like really disappointed to hear that because not everybody like can afford to do regular gymnastics outside of school. BC School Sports, the provincial governing body for a school sport in the province, dropped gymnastics due to a sustained low number of registered gymnastics participants, with 453 student-athletes registered this season. And because most athletes are competing entirely in a club environment, and as a result, the gymnastics programs are not regularly part of the school environment or under the oversight of the school athletic director and administration. It doesn't cost them anything extra. We are a small community, so the workload is not significantly more. If it's a workload issue, then tell us and help us resolve that issue. Some sports have smaller participation numbers, including girls and boys curling, snowboarding, and female wrestling. Others train in a club setting. Certainly our fear is we are the first sport to be removed. Which sports are next? And this is now a, a, a narrowing of the sport offering available to students in schools when our population is very diverse uh, and they need as many opportunities to connect with their schools as possible. BCSS says it's added other sports such as boys and girls rugby and ultimate in response to new trends adding schools can continue with a competitive gymnastics program but without a provincial championship. Grace Key, Global News. A violent weekend in Vancouver with the warm weather drawing more people and crowds to the downtown core. Vancouver police say a 16-year-old boy was stabbed several times at Davie and Denman Friday night. VPD adds he suffered wounds and was treated at BC Children's Hospital. Suspect has not yet been identified, but police say it's believed another teen stabbed him. And in the Granville Entertainment District, police say a man flashed a gun while people were waiting in line to get into the Roxy. VPD's gang crime unit arrested a suspect, a 19-year-old Surrey man, walking near Granville and Robson Street a short time later. Police say they recovered a loaded handgun. On the way on Global News, the latest on the looming strike by WestJet pilots will tell you where the company is at with their talks with the union over pay and working conditions. Plus, the argument for early testing of breast cancer, what a task force out of the U.S. is revealing when we come back. How do you end racism in communities? That's the weighty topic at a recent forum in Penticton. Taya Fast has more on the conference that drew people from across the country and the U.S. Confronting the White Elephant in Penticton, anti-racism forum hosted by South Okanagan Immigrant and Community Services. We're hoping that this is just the start, that this starts more conversations, more learning about what is anti-racism and, and what we could all be doing to make more inclusive um, and equitable communities. According to the settlement organization, there has been an increase in demand for their services, largely due to what they say is an increase in racism within the community. That's happening right here in the South Okanagan, Similkameen, and some of it is more higher profile, but it's happening. The vast majority is unreported. And our mission is really about building more welcoming, inclusive, and equitable communities. And part of that is to provide the education. 
More than 200 people attended the forum on Friday with around eight speakers from Canada and the U.S. and some presentations touched on personal experiences. You know, growing up in Penticton, I was just um, so, I felt so othered. Like, I, like I, as much as, you know, I had fellow East Indian community, um, I still felt quite othered by um, a lot of the white community growing up here. I'm back here now and I hope that I can at least be a small part in um, undoing some of those systemic racism structures. So I received an email from someone that heard I was speaking about racism in Penticton and they emailed me saying there is no racism here. Why don't you take your lies somewhere else like Africa maybe? And it was shocking, number one, because the person couldn't see the irony that they're denying racism while being racist towards me. Anthony McLean was one of the many speakers having traveled all around the world for anti-racism work. McLean's presentation on Friday surrounded the idea of showing empathy. Empathy, that willingness to put yourself in someone else's shoes, that willingness to say, even though I haven't had that experience, I'm interested in your experience. And can I be part of a community where everyone belongs? TFS Global News, Penticton. Heads up for WestJet travelers. Unionized pilots and the airline are said to be still at the negotiating table this weekend. And no 72-hour notice for a strike or lockout has been submitted. Recently, WestJet pilots have been staging picket lines at airports on their days off in a bid to get their message out. The union representing 1,700 pilots flying for WestJet and Swoop has said both sides have been far apart with the key issues being job protection and wage. Private equity firm Onyx owns WestJet. The company says pilots are fairly compensated among their Canadian peers. Any job action or lockout would require a 72-hour notice. With almost all the votes counted, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan appears to hold a small lead over his main challenger. <laughs> Erdogan addresses thousands of supporters in Ankara. He claimed to be leading by a wide margin, though official counts say he leads by 49.5% of the vote over his rival. If neither reaches 50%, they will meet again in a runoff in two weeks. Redmond Shannon explains what's at stake. Sunday's closely fought presidential and parliamentary election comes after one of the most difficult years for Turkey in its modern history. As the night of vote counting wore on, the early lead of incumbent President Recep Tayyip Erdogan gradually lessened. Supporters of challenger Kemal Kilicdaoglu said state media deliberately prioritized the early counting of results that would favor the incumbent. The dispute reflective of the wider political divide in Turkey. Erdogan's 11 years as prime minister and nine as president have seen a wave of modernization and growth in the country but also a move away from secular policies toward more traditional Islamic values. He cracked down on dissent, imprisoning opponents and concentrating power in the presidency after the failed coup of 2016. Kilic Darulu vowed a return to more democratic and secular values, an independent judiciary and strengthening ties with the West. His alliance of six parties span the political spectrum, united by a desire to end the Erdogan era. 
Erdogan's popularity was dented by two major crises in the past year. Accusations of a slow response to the February earthquakes that killed more than 50,000 people in Turkey and his unorthodox and controversial handling of spiralling inflation, which peaked at 85% last fall. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky made a surprise visit to Paris for talks with French President Emmanuel Macron. Paris is the latest stop on a multi-city European tour that has garnered new commitments and military support for Ukraine. This as the war-torn country gears up for a counter-offensive to try to recapture Russian-occupied areas. Macron dispatched a plane to pick up Zelensky in Germany, where he had been meeting with Chancellor Olaf Scholz. Zelensky says the stops show Ukraine's ties with Europe are growing stronger. Macron is expected to reaffirm France's military and humanitarian support for Ukraine. The Canadian Cancer Society says one in eight women in this country will develop breast cancer during their lifetime. And now a U.S. task force has determined that women get screened more often and earlier than previously thought. Health reporter Catherine Ward has more on why Canadian experts say our country should follow their lead. One in five breast cancers uh, occur in women in their 40s. So it's very uh, common and the incidence has been increasing in younger women. The calls from experts to lower the age for breast cancer screening in Canada can be heard in every corner of the country. Dr. Jean Seely is leading the chorus. We have been advocating for this in Canada for over 10 years. The importance of uh, women getting breast cancer in their 40s cannot be overstated. Women in their 40s have a much higher chance of uh, having aggressive cancer and 17% of breast cancers happen in the 40s. The debate reignited this week after a U.S. task force echoed what experts here say they know all too well. More inclusive science has shown us that all women should be screened for breast cancer every other year starting at age 40. Modeling has been done to show that upwards of uh, 400 avoidable deaths are occurring in Canada every year. And so we know that lives can be saved. As with many health standards, breast cancer screening varies between provinces and territories. But experts say the data is clear. Early screening can make a big difference, especially when lives are on the line. Provinces that screen at 50 versus provinces that screen at 40 have more cases of advanced cancer. Jenny Dale advocates for the change, hoping to flip the narrative one person at a time, knowing what it can mean for the patient and the people who love them. Advanced cancer uh, doesn't just mean death, it means suffering. It means more cases of mastectomy and chemotherapy and lymphedema and impacts on the family. Um, not just psychological, financial, uh, you know, it's huge. So we have to catch cancer early and we can do it. I mean, let's do it. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. Still to come, will a reservation system create more headaches than ease of use? We'll go to Bunsen Lake on the eve of a new way to spend the day there. But will visitors be okay with it? Stay with us. You're watching Global BC. 
A reminder, if you're planning on cooling off at Bunsen Lake while the heat is on starting tomorrow, you'll need to reserve parking there. Summer lovers flocking to Bunsen Lake today with parking and congestion at an all-time high. The lot was already full by this morning. A pilot project that offered free parking reservations at the lake is in effect tomorrow. Last year, the online system for free parking reservations was launched, and BC Hydro says the program reduced congestion by 10% in nearby Anmore. We have made a few changes this year based on, um, you know, some lessons learned from last year. So one of the changes we've made is that um, the reservation booking system will now open at 7 a.m. the day before um, you plan your visit. And this year, we're actually going to track those people that are no-shows, and um, we will suspend accounts if it does happen on multiple occasions. The online parking reservation system runs to September 4th. Well, of course, Yvonne, everyone wants to go there. <laughs> That's a spot to be, right? Yes. It's a spot to be. Uh, happy Mother's, today, uh, Mother's Day to you, Julie, and all the mothers out there. Yes. Who are celebrating today a hot one, a scorcher, record-breaking heat. It's going to be even warmer in towards tomorrow, and I'll have that coming up in just a moment. A glance at some of our numbers. So we're sitting at 23, but it's really away from the water with the Humidex. We're into the low 30s. These are unofficial and preliminary numbers, but Lytton looks to be the hot spot at 35.9. This is in the province and across the country. And we're also getting reports. Thank you to Roger, uh, who's an observer for us from Environment Canada. He also saying Chilliwack getting up to 35.9. So we are seeing those temperatures soaring right across the board. Wanted to show you the Humidex values. Agassiz right now feeling like 34. Pitt Meadows 32. Even Burnaby up to 29. Inland across the island, Port Alberni 32. Current temperature with the feels like for Squamish at 27. And a few other spots across the province with Revelstoke at 30. Prince George. And areas near Williams Lake sitting at 28. Special weather statement will continue. This is key, though. Most areas along the south coast will see that heat leading in towards our Tuesday. For the central and southern interior, lasting in towards our Wednesday. And the heat warning that's been issued along the north and central coast will take us in towards our Thursday. A check on some of those numbers once again will be into the low 30s. But it's along the northern half, inland. Terrace and Kitimat included within that will be la we'll see that heat all the way towards our Thursday. So hot, hot, hot. Be prepared with the snow melt as well. We've still got a flood warning that's near Cache Creek, including Cache Creek, I should say. Flood watch for the middle as well as the Salmon River and the High Stream and Flow Advisory for all areas that are in yellow. Northern half of the province along the coast, it'll be a touch cooler with Prince Rupert up to 20 tomorrow. Terrace getting up to 29 degrees. If you have respiratory issues for the northeastern corners of the province, the Smoky Skies Bulletin impacting that area over the next 24 and 48 hours. So those with respiratory issues will want to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors. Central and southern interior with the soaring temperatures continuing all the way in towards our Wednesday, potentially into Thursday. Thursday. And along the coast, it'll always be a touch cooler if you're by the water, but inland tomorrow, Pertle burning up to 35 degrees. Wanted to mention that 33 away from the water tomorrow, the Humidex is going to feel like 36 degrees. Tuesday, Wednesday, we've got a few clouds in the mix, but still hanging on to that sunshine. Highs will be up to 29. Julie? All right. Thank you, Yvonne. It's a day to celebrate mothers of all kinds, including at the Vancouver Aquarium. Stellar sea lion Rogue is celebrating her first Mother's Day after giving birth to a healthy male pup, Natoa, back in September. The aquarium is helping make her day extra special, including a few extra treats. 
nice. <laughs> Very sweet. Nice. Well, Ace is here now. Yeah. What is coming up in sports? Well, we have uh, lots going on in sports, but uh, I just have to say that first, this is the first time I had to do the duck under the camera <laughs> while you're doing weather for these, because usually I did the And I'm motioning to desk. him. So yeah, like, exactly. yeah, is, this, is this safe? Like, where do you I, go? Yeah, I, you're looking for the light. I think I did it. It was yeah. okay. You were good. I, you I didn't pop through. up. If not, All I would right. have given you Perfect. a shout out. You would have? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, here's what's going on in sports. Uh, lots going on in particular. The Vancouver Whitecaps were in action last night. A disappointing loss, but... Uh, yeah, it was interesting to hear Vanny Sartini talk about the, some of the things that they can do better going into their next game against Dallas on Wednesday. So we'll have those highlights here from the coach as well. And it's a big game seven as well between the Boston Celtics and Philadelphia 76ers. Okay, all right. Well, Enough? stay tuned yeah, for that. And all this other stuff as well. Excellent. All right, <laughs> all right. thanks so much, Asa. Well, still to come on Global News Hour, getting ready for next year's Summer Olympics. We'll introduce you to a local man who could end up spinning his move into a medal. More on that when we come back. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Breaking is enjoying a resurgence culminating with its debut next year at the Summer Olympics. As Jay Durant reports in This is BC, part of its growing popularity is thanks to a local star who's expected to be a serious metal threat in Paris. After touring the world for competition, Vancouver's Phil Wizard got a break back home for Canada's first ever Red Bull BC1 camp, a chance to showcase the elevation of breaking to the next wave of homegrown talent. They're bringing people from all, the, all over the world that have never been here, so it provides opportunities for a lot of the local scene to kind of grow and to see these people interact with these people. He's a defending world champ and a medal hopeful when breaking makes its debut at the 2024 Paris Olympics. It continues to explode in popularity around the world and Canada is trying to stay close with their own contenders. But I think we have a lot of talent here and it's still growing. And I think, again, camps like the, the BC1 camp that's happening here just provides uh, an extra opportunity for us to grow. And I think you'll see a lot more Canadians in the future on the world stage. The scene in Vancouver is still small in comparison, but it's been building. The lead up to the games is putting the spotlight on the stars and giving younger artists a glimpse of what's possible. Like after Olympic announced, there's many, many kids wanted to get involved in. They get hope to them, you know, to be, oh, I can be Olympian. There's a lot of younger kids who are competing at a, like a fairly high level for their age. Um, not just in Vancouver, but across the world. Phil Wizard's skill and athleticism has catapulted him to the top of the world rankings. And we're done. Breaking will help broaden Olympic viewership and expose many people to a new flourishing form of global competition. And I think people are going to be blown away. I think a lot of people have the perception that breaking died down the 80s, 90s uh, when it started. And a lot of people still have that perception, but I want that to change. And I think that will change and they'll see it's thriving, it's growing and it's bigger than ever. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Coming up in sports, the Whitecaps have a rough night against the Timbers, plus highlights from the World Hockey Championship with Canada facing off against Slovenia. Stay with us. From the stories that affect us all, to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect,
BBC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Get immersed in the world of dinosaurs at Jurassic Quest. Enjoy an interactive adventure and observe a herd of life-size animatronic dinosaurs. See a live raptor show, rides, inflatables, and more. JurassicQuest.ca for info. Help Covenant House Vancouver this spring. With your help, they can continue to serve all youth with relentless support, respect, and unconditional love who may be at risk or experiencing homelessness. Donate today and double your impact. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub. Bringing your worlds together. Asa is back, and let's start off with that train wreck that was the <laughs> yeah, uh, game last night. It. Yeah, yeah. I did the play-by-play uh, -play on AM 730 last night. It uh, well, it was fun doing the play-by-play, -play, but it wasn't the most uh, fun to watch this game, uh, especially if you're a Whitecaps fan. Uh, last night, after the Whitecaps 3-1 loss in Portland, while on the post-match show on AM 730, yeah, shameless plug, Vanny Sartini told us that there were lessons to be learned from the match that snapped an eight-game unbeaten run. One of those lessons must be that they can't afford to have a slow start. That's exactly what they did last night. Providence Park in Portland, always a tough place to play. Just a minute 20 into this match, Frank Bully just bullied his way in and buried that one past Yohei Takaoka. That made it... 1-0 for the home side. Timbers fans just getting into their seats and already up one goal. Evander then, the 24-year-old Brazilian, made it 2-0 after you know, they just passed their way around the Whitecaps defense here before Evander volleyed at home. In the 18th minute, that made it 2-0 for the Timbers. Whitecaps sort of picked things up a little bit after that, though, created some chances. And then this one... Led to a goal. Nice pass through there for Gressel. Gets on the end of it, centers it, and it's actually turned in by Zach McGraw, the Timbers defender. Cordova was there, expecting to put that one in anyway. That made it 2-1, so the Caps got within one. But in the second half, the Timbers retake that two-goal lead. Evander, nice spin there on Kubas, and then he fired it past Takoka. His second goal of the game, that made it 3-1. Timbers hang on to win it by that margin. Coach Vanny Tartini not making excuses, but did point out that the condensed schedule and travel is challenging. At some point in, in a month, we're going to play three, four games in a row at home, so the other team is going to be unlucky, so we're not complaining. Uh, but, yes, we need to dust ourselves off and uh, and uh, again be very honest and critical Monday we'll uh, we'll speak with each other and we'll um, uh, we'll work on to be better uh, against Dallas and make three points there we know that uh, every game especially on the road especially when we have a back to back to back are, are hard so yeah that's we need to rise to the challenge right, Sam Kerr and Chelsea back in the Women's FA Cup Final, taking on Manchester United in front of a packed crowd at Wembley earlier today. And the star striker came through for her club in the 68th minute. That was the only goal in this game. 1-0 the final. Canadians Jesse Fleming and Kadisha Buchanan, part of Chelsea's cup-winning side as well. Congrats to them.
absolutely wild. How's this for celebrating Mother's Day? Red Bull Freestyle Motocross star Luke Ackerman and his mother, Melinda, making history with their first ever mother-son backflip on a motorbike. Backflip was Melinda's 50th birthday wish. His son delivered by uh, putting mom behind the handlebars. Luke Ackerman first made history as a 12-year-old when he became the youngest athlete to execute the motorbike backflip. And history made in Toronto last night as the WNBA played its first ever game in Canada. 27 years since the league was founded. Final preseason game featuring Minnesota and Chicago. WNBA considering expansion. Toronto on that short list. The only Canadian playing yesterday. Fourth year pro Bridget Carlton from Ontario. She had three points for the Lynx. And it was a sold out crowd of 20,000 fans on hand to see Chicago win this one. And then earlier today, Game 7 between the Sixers and Celtics in Boston. This was close until the third quarter when Jason Tatum took over for Boston. He finished the contest by setting a Game 7 record with 51 points. The Celtics pulled away in the second half to eliminate the Sixers. 112-88 the final. They'll face Miami in the Eastern Conference Final once again. World Hockey Championship, Milan Lucic finally beginning to wear Team Canada's colors, beating Slovenia today. Latvia, Finland, co-host in the world. Lucic reaching out to Hockey Canada, saying he wanted to play for the team. He swats in Canada's third goal of the game. Slovenia actually led it 1-0 after one. Goal of the game, though, Mackenzie Weger. Move after move, Canada with the 5-2 win. Now 2-0. Cover task tomorrow, taking on Slovakia. Blue Jays and Braves. Alec Manoa not on the mound, but was out for the first pitch from his mom. Love to see that. And we'll skip to the bottom of the ninth now. Bases loaded, two out. Danny Jansen at the plate. Base hit to score Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Matt Chapman. Walk off, base hit. Jays sweep the series and improve to 24 and 16 this season. Yeah, pretty good. Lots of uh, fun, entertaining action. And uh, uh, on the pitch, a big game for the Whitecaps on Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, congrats to Sam Kerr and uh, Chelsea as well. Big win in the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Asa. Well, some still to come, rather, on the news hour. Cue the music. We'll take you to Victoria for a special kind of ballet when we come back. All the teams that come to play. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Focus on the politics. Focus on the players. Focus on the province. Focus BC. Your inside guide to BC politics with host Richard Zussman on BC One. The Water Ballet is back for another season in Victoria Harbor. Every summer, mariners at the controls of the city's harbor ferries put on a unique performance to show off their skills at the rudder, drawing visitors from far and wide. And today, the special guests were mothers. Mm -hmm. Brett Ballard reports. <laughs> For this ballet, the soundtrack is Wagner, the ride of the Valkyries, timing the movements of these tiny ferries. It's very important gig. It's family and friends and kids and everybody, and it's just such a positive event, and we get large crowds. Every year gets bigger and better. 
It's a ballet like no other, returning this year in time to celebrate Mother. Mother's Day has many, many wonderful opportunities and occasions for me, and this was one of the best. Being on the water in glorious weather with a dear friend, what's better? It was awesome. Great little treat. Ballerinas in red stand at the control, guiding their tiny boats through every bob, weave, and roll. The biggest reason why I do the ballet is because it's fun, period. And it's super challenging. Then your boats get close. We don't hit, but we get close. The captain's careful not to hit their mates. The boats side by side with no room to spare. Skippers communicate through a meaningful stare. They start in a circle, then in to figure eights. The crowd above, all ears, Captains loving what they do, this one returning now for nine straight years. People come down just to see it on the weekends. It's a big deal. It's not a dangerous thing, but uh, it's challenging in that you have to pay attention all the time. It's super focus, super concentration. No time for old man lapses. A final charge, a toot of the horn. On a beautiful day with so much in the capital to do and see, one final gift on this day, mothers travel free. Brett Bala, Global News. That was great. What a poet, Brett Bala. <laughs> I enjoyed that way more than I thought I would. <laughs> Me too. That was incredible. Start to finish. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, going from poetry to a beautiful, beautiful song in the air. <laughs> what do you think of this weather? Is it going to keep on? Yeah, tomorrow even hotter, so be prepared. Want to stay hydrated, grab that sunscreen with that humid X away from the water. We're closer to 36, so another hot one. Maybe a touch cooler, but it's really still going to be warm and sunny in the coming days, so be prepared for the heat. All right, good advice. Thanks so much for being with us. Good night.